One of the characteristics of the workplace of 2020 has been the lack of people in the office. COVID-19 saw a significant portion of businesses adopt remote work in support of efforts to contain the pandemic. Malls, shops, and retail stores also saw dramatic closures in some markets, crippling tenants who continue to pay for spaces they can't use because of pandemic containment mandates. Is there a better way, a smarter way, for businesses to organize their workforce so that they can optimize fixed asset costs like facilities? In today's podcasts for Future CIO, we have with us Mr. Dinesh Malkan, Founder and CEO of Smart and Spaces, Dinesh. Welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Well, thank you, Alan. I'm looking forward to this discussion. So let's start off. Perhaps if you could give me that 30 second elevator pitch of what Smart and Spaces is all about. So we built a platform and a technology to be able to make spaces uh, smarter and better. The technology penetration in spaces has been quite low. But I think the pandemic changed a lot. Every office is uh, being redone. People are moving towards the hybrid workplace, and we just happen to be a company that has the entire technology solution ready to take companies to hybrid working and the hybrid workplace. Yeah, sure enough, and we'll delve into that a little bit deeper. But for now, uh, I need to get a, a step back a bit and look at what's been happening before COVID nineteen. There's been a lot of uh, co-working spaces, or the space as a service industry has started to crop up. How do you see this space as a service and office decentralization changing the workplace of the future? So I think uh, if you look at it right, for the last three or four years, there's been a lot of discussion, and companies have been experimenting with the notion of hybrid work, work from anywhere. They'll take co-working spaces in certain areas. They look at centralized offices in certain areas, and they give options to employees to work from anywhere. But I would say that was mainly at an experiment stage, and there were a lot of challenges that were associated with it. But it was moving in a particular direction. I think what the pandemic did was it just proved that you can work in that model. Everybody shifted to work from home. As companies have started to come back, they all have been kind of moving in the direction, saying that the trend of being able to work. From anywhere, partly in the office, partly from a co-working space, or partly from home, what we classify hybrid work work strategies now, uh, I think is just accelerating. We have seen this move in Singapore, in Australia, in the U.S., in Hong Kong. Basically, this has become a global phenomenon. You would have seen Google announce two or three days ago that they are moving completely to a hybrid model. Here in Singapore, DBS Bank uh, made that announcement maybe about essentially a month ago. UOB Bank. So one by one, large companies are embarking on this. It is quite a big shift, though, Alan. If you think about it, right? Because we are moving from a world where there were fixed times, there was a fixed location. Now we are moving to a world where there are no fixed times, and there are no fixed locations. And so, obviously, that means that you need to start really rethinking about how your workplaces are going to be. You need to start. Introducing a lot of technology because where there is this kind of complexity and it involves people, it involves assets, it involves spaces to match all of that in a hybrid environment. I think technology becomes the core piece of it. So that's really the shift that has happened. I feel that it will evolve over time, uh, but that we can cover during the discussion. Okay. Now you mentioned COVID nineteen just a while back. Now um, analysts uh, analysts are confirming what you are saying all along. Uh, they're suggesting that post COVID, 
a workplace normalization will actually combine remote work together with the traditional office environment. Again, you just mentioned that as well. Now, if I need to, if I ask you to look at the multiple positions within an enterprise, the CIO, the COO, the CHRO, the, the HR department, as well as the CFO, how will this impact the way these executives uh, do their job or facilitate the, the jobs that they do today? So I think the challenge with the CHRO is to make sure that, you know, they're able to look at their entire workforce and ensure that they offer the notion of flexibility to all of them because that's what the employee is demanding. But what are the policies around it? What are the rules around it? When they go to hire, do they necessarily have to hire a person that is in the location where their basically headquarter is? They can hire from anywhere in the world. So that's what the HR teams are grappling with. I think for the CEO, it's a great time because honestly, with hybrid working, they can cut out a lot of cost out of the system. I mean, a desk in Hong Kong or in Singapore typically costs the company between twenty-one to twenty-five thousand dollars if you look at rental and you know space costs and things like that. But if it's only going to be used sometimes, that's a great cost that they can actually take out, right? The COO is thinking of making his organizational or organizational a lot more operational, but also looking at means and ways to cut cost. I think the CFO and COO are pretty well tied in this. I think the role of the CIO and the workplace head is very critical because none of this can be done without technology. Today, my customers are saying, okay, they get a lot of phone calls of employees asking, am I allowed to come to work today? Uh, if I come, well, half the seats are gone because of social distancing. So where am I going to sit? Is this desk clean? Managers want to know about, are their employees more productive when they're at home versus they're in the office? But this requires technology. And I think to create this frictionless environment, to create an environment where productivity is at peak, to create an environment where you have a lot of data about what is happening inside your organization, I think the CIO and the workplace uh, person need to really partner up, come together. And Alan, needless to say that as it involves employees, data, is being re-looked at and rethought of, right? And so obviously the CIO has to make sure that the network is secure, the environment is secure, and they're complying with all the regulations that are there. So a lot of changes, I think, in the world of the CIO in particular. Let's take an example of a large bank that they're going to offer this ability to have parts of the workforce operating elsewhere. That is not an official office. It's a co-working space, for example. How does the CIO ensure that they are able to connect or to manage the workforce and the facilities that they use, including network infrastructure, the applications, even when those persons are not in the actual enterprise facility? So Alan, I think for the past six months, the CIOs have done a tremendous job in being able to ensure that, you know, today we have uh, two offices, but by the way, guess what? Now you have for a large bank, 50,000 offices because everybody from home, it's their office, right? It's their home office. And so that was a huge shift. I think the CIOs did a tremendous job in being able to enable that, providing them VPN capability, providing them all the collaboration tools like WebEx or Teams or Zoom, providing them the ability to remotely carry on their work, right? So that was the first task. I think that has largely been taken care of, at least at a first level, right? And now you can log in from anywhere to you. I think the second phase of it is uh, deploying a full technology stack where you start with the fundamental decision of taking every individual employee and identifying, is this an employee that's permanently required in office? Is this an employee that can work in a hybrid manner? Or is this an employee that will forever work 
at home because you don't need them to come in the office, right? So being able to do that requires the right tools. And then taking that and saying, okay, how is the workforce going to be distributed? Uh, what percentage works from home? What works in the office? And then being able to manage that and saying, okay, we need to roster them. So for example, I come to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I have another team that comes to work on Tuesday and Thursday. So that teams get split up. Your business continuity is assured. But imagine when you have 30, 40,000 people being able to do that manually on a spreadsheet becomes a huge problem. So looking at the rostering piece. And then last but not the least is, you know, using software to be able to then identify all the spaces that can be used. And the employees should know or should be told, okay, you're coming in Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, here is your seat. It could be in a co-working place near their home. It could be in the office or it could just be at a different location, but giving full transparency to the employee. And then comes the culture piece because you would agree, Alan, that if I'm working alone at home, I feel a little isolated. When I go to work, I want to make sure the people I'm working with, I'm part of their team or I'm sitting next to my department, right? So ensuring there are algorithms in place that do the workforce distribution or the space distribution in the place that bring teams and departments together and have the rostering to then determine who goes and what. I think at a fundamental level, the CIO needs to start thinking about deploying this kind of stack so that it doesn't matter where you are. They have taken care of the first part of access and security. I think this is the second part of just workplace management, workforce management. You speak of a solution that covers property developers, enterprises, and end users. How do you handle issues like data privacy and security, given that the application that you have allows end users who want to have control over their environment, like switch on the air conditioning, the lights, and all that. And at the same time, you have enterprises and property developers who want to secure the entire facility or infrastructure. So normally, this kind of technology sits behind the firewall. Because at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. Data is a big concern. And, you know, of course, in technology, no application can work without data, right? So getting the architecture right, ensuring that it is all behind the firewall, ensuring that, you know, data that is either in motion or rest is all encrypted, uh, ensuring that when you choose a vendor that the regular pen test have been done, they're ISO certified. I think these are all things that become very critical. In majority of the deployments that we have done, when the technology team gets involved, there's a full infosec process, right? And looking at, it's usually a 30, 40 page document, you know, that you have to go through. But that's a huge role because without it, if you don't go through that cycle, I think you're exposing the company to a little bit of risk. For mall operators and those in the property rental markets, for example, how does a technology like Smart and Spaces deliver value for them? So, you know, think of a person that's going into a mall. They need to do a health declaration. They need to check in, check out. They want to see what are all the shops that are available in the mall. They want to see the deals and offers that are there. They want to, you know, look at, okay, where is parking available? Can I park my car? And then when I come out, most people forget where they park their car, right? So can it tell me where have I parked my car? Um, all these things are, you know, essential asks. And I want to find a shop right? How can you help me wayfind it? These are all important things that today's shopper needs to have. Rewards and, you know, the world of being able to, as you shop, you collect points. Everybody wants points. Everybody likes points, right? And so we bring this, we bring all of this together on the platform if in our retail mall solution. And to the retail mall operator, they come to know 
how many vehicles are coming in and out, what type of vehicles are coming. So they also get a sense of who are the kind of people that visit their malls. You know, what are the time periods that, I mean, we did work with a mall operator where they found traffic to significantly increase from four o'clock in the evening all the way to eight o'clock. And that was because they had a movie hall there and they realized that most people, you know, catch movies around that time. So if there were uh, things to be done, they would ensure that, they started to put those out between that time period, but they realized the mornings are empty. So they started to look at different means and ways in which they could offer services. So I think technology helps a lot, both for the user as well as the mall operator. Alan, the same thing applies to a commercial building as well, to be able to know and have the data and to make it easy for the tenant to get in and out of the building, you know, for them to look at services like FNB and other things, for them to know the events that are happening, safety protocols in place. And it's really a two-way thing, right? There's benefit for the commercial, for the building owner, as well as for the tenant that is working there. What will further drive adoption of technologies similar to what uh, Smart and Spaces offers today? So, um, Alan, to be honest with you, right, adoption is when it really gives you a reason, a real reason and a purpose to use technology. Today, in the enterprise, our adoption uh, or even other similar companies has been extremely high because the people that are coming back to work, there are two very important use cases. One is safety. They want to know when was the meeting room that I'm using clean. They want to do their health declaration. They want their temperature taken. The other is, okay, I've come in. Tell me where my seat is. I want to book a meeting room now because I want to meet my colleagues. What's the capacity of the room? Which seats can be used inside the room or not? But once you start putting in technology that make it very easy and essential for the user, that's when the adoption becomes very high. I think nice to have things, that world is gone, right? There's an overcrowding of apps and there's an overcrowding of you know, data. I think the second piece on adoption is for the occupier and for the building owner themselves. If you give them data, that's good. But if you give them recommendations, that's even better. And I think that's where AI has a huge role to play. What we noticed was in, in sort of work we did about a year ago, we would give a lot of data. How much of space is getting utilized? What's the utilization of your rooms, et cetera. But when we shifted that over to recommendations saying your spaces are very inefficient, you know, and you have too many rooms or you have too few rooms, I think that's when it started to make sense for them. So I think the whole shift to AI within the whole realm of workspaces is like an essential ingredient to actually getting a successful hybrid workplace that is very productive and is cost effective. When you go pitch a smart spaces solution to prospective clients, what's the usual comments that you get? Okay, so I think one of the comments is that, you know, the world of spaces, by the way, has been driven by many little, little point solutions, right? So the first objection is, oh my God, here's another solution that I have to ask my employee to download. And, you know, and, and this was very common, right? So there'll be a different visitor management system, a different parking system, a different desk booking system. And so I think that's the first objection, right? So the ability to bring that together and have an integrated play is very important in this space. I think the second objection which I think I just mentioned was, okay, great. Now you gave me all these dashboards and data, but the workplace guy is not technical. I mean, let's face it. They have, you know, they will see all the data and say, okay, what does that really mean? Being able to then take that in an easy manner and be able to make recommendations, I think then solves that particular issue. And I think the third thing is about adoption. Why would my employees use it? 
how does it make their life easier is this going to add more friction to their journey as they do work on a daily basis so you have to be able to solve that third piece as well and last but not the least it's about cost right i will be spending more money during uh, a time when every business is trying to cut out a cost so alan on that i'll make one point which i actually I, it, this is not a quote that that i did i actually heard it from somebody in the us recently and this lady told me she said dinesh pre pandemic 100% of the spaces were used only 50 to 60% of the time and that's always true right you go to an office you find half the desk will always be empty because somebody's on leave somebody's trapped the goal of a hybrid workplace post pandemic because now work from home is also a reality is have only 70% of the space but use it 100% of the time that is the goal technology is trying to solve if you're spending 21 to 25000 dollars of space per desk you can imagine what will happen if you you could very easily give up 30% of that no problem because now you can balance between work from home back in the office you have a proper system to be able to do that um, you save a lot of money a lot of money right and you make it easy for the employee because nobody by the way if you ask me uh, even though i'm the founder ceo of the company to come five days every day to work i'm not sure i want to do that anymore i like my three days and two days you know i'm kind of enjoying that actually so Last question: What do you see in terms of emerging technologies, or technologies perhaps not still not around, haven't been developed yet, will further influence the prop tech market that you are in? I think that you know environment control it has been around in bits and pieces. Um, it's going to be even more important. Why is the air quality in my house better than the air quality in the office, right? and if something like this ever happened again how well prepared are we it's a very reasonable question for employees to ask it's absolutely an area of innovation it's an area of development for the prop tech industry the second i think is around robotics because for sure as you work in a hybrid model things are going to be very unpredictable right you see today you know fixed times fixed number of people fixed desk very predictable now in hybrid there are days percentages of people coming in and out will vary right so i still feel that robotics around the area of cleaning and sanitization around the area of certain services that can be offered will need to be incorporated into the workplace over time it's there in bits and pieces but a lot of work uh, needs to be done i think these two areas are critical the third would be you know essentially heavy utilization of ai in making predictions analytics just on demand and supply i feel there's a great opportunity for the world to relook at their spaces and be able to cut them down but there need to be far more intelligent software to be able to uh, help you make those decisions thank you very much dinesh thank you for joining me at podcast for future cio thank you alan thank you very much that was dinesh malkani founder and ceo smarten spaces on the topic of reimagining the workplace in the post covid era you are listening in to podcasts for future cio do share with us topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes meanwhile stay safe and have a great day bye for now Thank you.